With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everyone? And welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. My name is Brennan Schaefer. Alongside you here on Thursday, April 29th, as the St. Louis Cardinals wrapped up their series with the Philadelphia Phillies this afternoon at Bush Stadium. And there were some fireworks in this one as the Cardinals win it 4-3 in extra innings on a walk-off wild pitch. There was a lot going on in this game for the Cardinals, so let's break it down here on today's show. We also have some news that has occurred this Thursday evening since the end of the Cardinals game that we're going to get into as well. But it was Matt Carpenter for the second time this year taking over as the story of the game for the Cardinals as he hits a three-run pinch hit home run for St. Louis. A pivotal moment in this game that allowed the Cardinals to turn a 1-0 deficit into a 3-1 lead. And it comes against Aaron Nola the Philadelphia Phillies starter that had shut the Cardinals down in the outing against them earlier this season, just within the last couple of weeks. Aaron Nola pitches the complete game shutout. I believe the Cardinals only had something like three base runners. Regardless of the exact number, I know this, the Cardinals didn't have anyone reach second base in that game for nine innings against Aaron Nola. So when he's coming to town to Bush Stadium this afternoon, you kind of have that in the back of your mind. And I know that the Cardinals have had situations like this before where they've faced a guy once and then come back maybe five to six days later and had better fortunes against them. Joe Ross comes to mind from earlier this season, starter for the Washington Nationals, shut the Cardinals down the first time they saw him. Next time through the rotation, the Cardinals were once again facing the Nationals and they were able to get to Joe Ross in that game. Aaron Nola, a little bit different category than I would place Joe Ross into as far as the caliber of starter that he is and Nola looked good to start off this game for the Philadelphia Phillies as the Cardinals once again weren't getting any traction until the fifth inning base hit by Andrew Kisner kind of lofted into center field misplay by the center fielder allows the ball to get away and hustling all the way to his credit Andrew Kisner ends up at second base he was the first base runner against Aaron Nola this season for St. Louis to reach that distinction so now the Cardinals are in a position where they've got a runner in scoring position, and because it's only a one nothing game, nice outing by Kwon Young Kim, by the way, had five innings, gave up just one run, but scattered seven hits. So he was pitching through danger, a little bit of soft danger throughout the game, managed it well to be able to keep it to the one run. Because of that, here in the fifth today, the Cardinals had a chance with Kisner on second base to try and make something happen. That's when it gets a little bit interesting because following a strikeout by Justin Williams, they elect, the Phillies do, to walk Edmundo Sosa intentionally to get to the pitcher spot. And Kwon Young Kim, again, had given up seven hits to this point. Pitch count was such that he probably could have gone back out there, but Mike Schilt recognizes that we're not maybe going to get very many chances off of Aaron Nola. 
Our guy's already been kind of working through some danger, scattering hits at 84 pitches through five, so he's got maybe one more inning in him. Instead, they go with Matt Carpenter off the bench, and Carpenter hits one deep to right field on an Aaron Nola curveball. I think the question fair to be asked, why are guys throwing curveballs to Matt Carpenter where you could potentially hang one and get into some danger? Because the guy's got great plate awareness, and if you put a pitch there that he can do something with, he's going to do some damage. Even at this stage in his career, I wouldn't be making his job easier on him. In my opinion, that's what you're doing when you're throwing breaking balls in the strike zone. But it's a curveball, not a fastball, which maybe Carpenter might not have the, the reaction time that he that he once has, the bat speed, to be able to turn around on a fastball. With the curve, he sent it deep to right field. And Roman Quinn was the Phillies' right fielder today. And it looked for a moment as if he had this ball caught. I'm sure you've seen by now the still image. If not, it's all around Twitter. At B. Schaefer 12, I put a version of it up with a little uh, meme speech bubble coming out of Andrew Miller's mouth because you can see Miller kind of like mouth agape watching this from the Cardinals' bullpen. Right in front of him, it's unfolding Roman Quinn leaping to make this catch, and he's got the ball in the palm of his glove, like it's caught, and then it's not. A lot of momentum going into that wall, the crash into the wall happens, his arm kind of falls over the top of the wall, and the ball with it ends up spilling out, and everybody in the Cardinals bullpen raises their arms. Matt Carpenter's done it for the second time this year, big three-run home run, and that ends up, you know, it wasn't specifically the difference, but without it, the Cardinals aren't able to get the win today because after Andrew Miller got done watching Carpenter's home run, he ends up coming into the game, didn't pitch very well, gave up a couple of doubles. Both of those guys come around to score runs, so two earned against Miller for this game, had one strikeout. It was the only out that he recorded. And then, as we'll touch on a little bit later when we get into the injury news and the, the roster transactions, Andrew Miller now on the injured list with a right toe blister is what the Cardinals phrased that as. I'm not going to question whether that impacts your your, your pitching. I'm sure it does. As, a, as, as someone who's not a professional pitcher, I can't say. But I do know that Andrew Miller has been struggling as of late and maybe a little bit of time on the injured list, whether the injury is all that prohibitive or not, is, is, is not really the point. The fact that he can maybe take a little bit of time, try to regain himself. It hasn't been a great go for Andrew Miller so far this season. However... Cardinals end up getting the W, like I said, 4-3. to three, And the Carpenter home run gets him into the position where Miller's runs don't put it to anything but a tied score. And then you get into the ninth inning. Some more interesting theatrics end up taking place. Hector Neris for the Philadelphia Phillies, their closer. He's a really good arm. He gets into a situation where he's facing 2-3-4 in the Cardinals batting order. Cardinals in a tie game have a chance to win it with a walk-off in the ninth. Gets Carlson, though, gets Goldschmidt. Now you've got Arenado to deal with. You know, certainly not a out-of-the-woods situation yet for Hector Neris. But you know what happens? He hits him. He hits him, and it's on the first pitch. I don't think there's any question about it. This was intentional. Phillies fans on Twitter are going to tell you otherwise, I'm sure, if you if you got into the woods with them. And Reds fans would probably tell you different, too. Um, you know, sticking up for their brethren that have been put into this little... Uh, trench against the St. Louis Cardinals and their fans. But look, I thought it was pretty bold to throw at a guy in a situation where that's the go-ahead run, the winning run in the bottom of the ninth. 
But I guess Neres had the confidence in himself to be able to get the next guy, which he ultimately did. And Mike Schultz gets tossed, ejected after, Mike Schultz said after the game, arguing balls and strikes, not related to the Arenado ejection, which is what everybody assumed, or not not ejection, but the Arenado hit by pitch. Everybody assumed that it was that being the topic that Schultz was arguing about when he got onto the field and said his piece. But in the end, it was apparently a conversation about balls and strikes. That's what Mike Schultz said anyway. He, you know, the next batter had already stepped into the plate. I believe there was even a pitch thrown. And so it's conceivable that the conversation shifted to that. And that's what ultimately got Mike Schultz rung up. Said he saw too many of his players making quick U-turns back to the dugout. Didn't like that energy. Thought maybe, you know, the umpire had a wide strike zone, which he did. There, I saw some stuff earlier, earlier in the game where pitches four to six inches off the outside of the plate were being called strikes. So I can understand that explanation if that is indeed what took place. But it was the fact that basically even Steven now is the way Mike Schilt considers it all. He had a lot to say in the postgame about the situation surrounding the Arenado hit by pitch. Going to play some of that audio for you as well. And then we're going to circle back a little bit to the Matt Carpenter stuff. But let's get into the Mike Schilt stuff first. Uh, him talking about this because this was a situation that, you know, obviously came out of the Henesis Cabrera plunking of Bryce Harper, gets him in the face. Dangerous situation. We talked about it at length on yesterday's podcast. If you missed it, you can go back into the B-Shape Daily Archives to catch up on that. But basically, Mike Schilt, the way he sees it, no harm, no foul to the extent that there can be no harm, no foul when you intentionally hit your superstar player. But Schilt pretty understanding, at least when he talked to us about it after the game. And basically what starts off this audio clip right here from Mike Schilt that you're going to hear was the commish Rick Hummel asking if, in his opinion, was Arenado plunked with a reason in mind? Look, I, I thought about how to best answer this. Um, I think everyone handled this situation the entire last couple of days fairly appropriately. Could have gotten really ugly. We could have had some really ugly things take place on the field um, following a you know an incident that everybody regretted um, last night. You know the the next you know pitch by Gregarious. You know once that happens, there's um, there's no absolutes in this game, right? There's there's still some unwritten rules in baseball. Um, you know there's a we knew there was a possibility of retaliation um, today. Um, and it could have, you could have think about it in, in two different thoughts. You know, it wasn't intentional, but you also there's a thought where I can understand you want to stand up for your guys, and it's an older school baseball mentality. And our guys understood that was a possibility um, to the to the point of handling it properly. Um, no one handled it properly. You know, didn't like it. Um, understood it was a possibility. You know, it's an eye for an eye, and Naris, you know, I'm sure they'll deny it, and that's that's fine too. Um, I understand that completely. You know, that's smart actually. Um, but he did it right. You know, he took one shot, and he got him low, fairly low. Thankfully, not a different story. We're probably having some issues if he gets hurt, and that's the risk of of doing it. Um, but it's old school baseball, and you know we we didn't hit a couple didn't mean to hit a couple of their guys, but nonetheless, a couple of their guys got drilled pretty good, and um, 
you know, so you can expect some retaliation. And it was done as clean as possible. Um, and no one responded in an appropriate way. Said my piece out to the field um, to make sure he knew, which I'm confident he does know has got his back. And, and we move on. And that's how, that's how the game polices itself. And that's why you didn't see this ugly people going nuts skirmish. Um, and that's, uh, and, and while we're on that vein, I, Bryce Harper sent over a nice text to Genesis Cabrera. And um, you want to talk about a first class move. Um, and look, I, you know, the guy's an excellent player. He's, he's got a trajectory that puts him in a pretty special place, you know, after his career, which is still going to be a long one. But whoever's a fan of Bryce Harper or ever has children that are fans of Bryce Harper, support that guy. Because that was what he sent over in a message day was completely a class act. Um, and he wanted to make sure that Genesis knew that he was aware it was unintentional and that if he needed to talk and make sure he was okay with, mentally about what took place and he was free to, you know, have the conversation with him, but he had empathy for the guy that hit him. So a lot of respect for Bryce Harper and a lot of respect for how he, you know, the kind of player he is, but even more respect now for the kind of, kind of um, the way he handled a, a very tough situation. So um, for anybody that has any, any fans of, of Bryce Harper that your children are fans, you can support that guy. That's a, that's a standup guy. So that was Cardinals manager Mike Schilt after Thursday's game, pretty much just laying it all out there. His opinion, it's old school baseball. Cardinals pretty understanding of it. I'm sure it didn't feel great if you're Nolan Arenado. You don't like being kind of the pawn in that whole situation. But listen, like Mike Schilt said, a couple of their guys got drilled pretty good, and that's the nature of this game. Intent, as we talked about yesterday, doesn't necessarily mean everything well I'm sorry I didn't mean to well how many times are you going to get away with that before you know somebody turns around and says hey look I get it you didn't mean to but it's happened x number of times and so one of your guys is going to have to wear one now there are a lot of people out there who would say that kind of conversation and honestly I haven't looked too much onto Twitter to see what people have had to say about it regarding Mike Schilt I'm sure it hasn't been too favorable the quotes that you know people reading these quotes or hearing these quotes and having their opinions from around the game talking about not Cardinals fans but other fan bases or baseball fans in general media I'm sure maybe has chimed in as well it doesn't you know he said the quiet part out loud which I think is good I don't have any problem with that because I don't think that he's the only manager and this is the only team operating that way you know, you might try to tell yourself it's a different era of baseball and people don't do this anymore. That doesn't happen. I think you're full of it if that's what you think. Um, clearly, that's it's on the minds of, of the manager of the team and the players on the team. You, you can't, you know, you can't have no repercussions for that continued kind of wildness. And that's, you know, that's the opinion of, of Mike Schild as the manager of the Cardinals. It's. It doesn't have to be what I would do. It doesn't have to be what you would do. It doesn't really matter. I think the reality is within baseball, you see that this is still a part of the way they operate. And like Mike Schultz said, it's a different story if he hits him in a spot where it, it gets him, you know, you're intentionally headhunting or you're intentionally going after a vulnerable spot on a guy. That'd be a different story. That's not what this was. 
I get it. It's still 98, whatever it is. Baseball is a hard object. And sitting on the sidelines out here, I'm just imagining a lot of people on Twitter saying it sounds barbaric. You can't do that. Totally understand that perspective. Um, you know, we, we aren't professional baseball players, though, so we don't really get into that mindset. And so I don't really have... I don't really have a huge issue with it. I, I tend to hear what Mike Schultz says and maybe a little bit surprised at the candor, but also, you know, as a media guy, appreciative that we, uh, that we get his insight on the way he feels about it and then kind of move on from the situation. And I think it, that's what the Cardinals plan to do. Um, clearly, you know, it ends with them getting hit by a pitch and not then going back and, and, and trying to get one of their guys. Once again, clearly there wouldn't have been an opportunity to do that. Even if you wanted to, because I thought it was pretty bold for Neris to do it when he did, just in the context of the game. But then you have extra innings after that, because like I mentioned, Neris gets out of the jam that he created, one guy on base, not really much of a jam. Nevertheless, then you get into a situation in extra innings where there's a guy on base, second base, scoring position to start things off. So you're not, unless you're deciding to put a guy on intentionally and you feel like throwing one pitch and hitting him is a better way to do that than the intentional walk. And obviously there a ball can get away, so... Probably not a recommended strategy to prove your point, but it doesn't end up happening, obviously, in an extra inning situation when the the game is on the line. I can't believe the Phillies did it when the game was on the line in the ninth. And once again, I do believe that it was intentional. First pitch to Arenado, he's like the Bryce Harper equivalent for the Cardinals. I don't think there's any way in the world, you know, I, I just would not buy it. Like Mike Schill said, it'd be smart for Neris to deny it. That's what I, That's what he should do if he wants to spare himself some grief from the league. But, yeah, it was intentional. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But within the context of the game, it turns into the 10th inning where the Cardinals make some more highlight plays. Dylan Carlson has a hose, folks. I, I'm not sure if you've seen this play by now, but ends the, t- the top of the 10th inning, which Alex Reyes pitches as well. He goes two innings today. I think that's kind of a little bit of an important, underrated, understated part of this game, not something that he's done too many times, and you're seeing him maybe get stretched out a little bit in that spot. And the Cardinals have said they'll do it when it's necessary, and in this case, I think he was the best option for the ninth because elsewhere in the bullpen, you'd already used up Gallegos for an inning and two-thirds. I don't know how much you trust the guys that would have been coming in behind Reyes necessarily. It's been kind of an up-and-down roller coaster a little bit for the Cardinals' bullpen as of late. But Alex Reyes looked really good, three strikeouts, two innings of work. But what's interesting is he only faces two batters in that 10th inning because he had a guy on second base to start out. He retires the first guy of the inning, and then it's a fly ball to center field. Dylan Carlson camps under it perfectly. You've got Matt Joyce as the runner on second base, which I didn't know this, but Matt Joyce was actually the spot in the lineup preceding the pitcher spot at that point in time because they'd moved around with double switches and what have you. The pitcher spot was the number one slot in the order, and because of that, he didn't have to run. It went back to Matt Joyce, who was in the number nine hole in the batting order, because evidently something we didn't know last year, and it hadn't really come up, at least for the Cardinals yet this season, is with that that rule with extra innings, the last out is always the guy who runs, but because there was no pitcher last year, we didn't know that the pitcher is excluded from that or the pitcher's spot in the order anyway. So that's why Matt Joyce was the runner. I don't know what he was really thinking trying to get the third on Carlson there. Um, it was pretty deep, and, and but it was kind of to the left side of center field rather than the opposite, so it was made it a little bit of a closer throw for Dylan. 
but he gets under the ball, gets behind it, and makes a good throw to third. Arenado, I mean, just the deft, I, I use the word deft because he just is so skillful in everything that he does over there. He doesn't really make his move until the ball arrives. Kind of, I don't know if that's a, a full-on deke of the runner, but he just there's no extra extraneous movements from the guy. He gets to the ball, makes a tag, applies it, and gets the out. So the Cardinals end up having their chance to win it in the bottom half, and that's exactly what they do on a wild pitch that Tyler O'Neill off the of third base. And if you get a guy that's going to be in that situation where, like, if you could choose one guy to put on second base to run if you're the Cardinals, that would be the guy you would choose. Fortunately for them, he had just happened to have uh, made the made the last out, and so that ended up being the situation. Um, and, and again, you can think about it this way. The fact that they hit Arenado, I didn't think about this until just now, but that kind of plays into it because Arenado would have been that base runner, not Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill, probably the fastest guy on the team, faster than Bader, faster than Edmund even, I think. The sprint speed for StatCast has supported this for the last couple of years. But he wouldn't have been the last out. It would have been, I mean, conceivably, Arenado could have homered and it would have been over right there in the ninth. But if Neris is able to retire Arenado, if he doesn't hit him on purpose, then you get Tyler O'Neill would be leading off the inning with Arenado as the base runner. Instead, you get the fastest guy on the Cardinals as the base runner, and he ends up scoring on a wild pitch. So that's kind of interesting. I didn't even think about that in the moment, but I think definitely... Um, something relevant I might tweet out about that tomorrow morning because it's not something I thought about until just now. How about that? Learning on the fly with the B-Shape Daily Podcast. But that's the way it ends up for the Cardinals in a 4-3 winner. And I said I wanted to circle back a little bit because the Matt Carpenter stuff was pretty interesting as well. Going to play a clip of audio from him. You know, the big hero today. Don't know what it means for him going forward. Uh, We'll get into the roster moves and why it may be a little bit more difficult to get him into the lineup this weekend. Uh, hint, hint, Harrison Bader has returned. But we're going to play this for you. A couple of questions I had with Matt Carpenter here kicking off the uh, post game with the Cardinals. Pinch hit hero in the game on Thursday. Matt, as you're watching that ball go out to right field and for a moment it's in Quinn's glove, what are your emotions going through that moment as you see maybe he might catch it, maybe it's going to drop? Uh, um, I was, you know, saying the Lord's Prayer, hoping that thing would not get caught. And then, uh, his stomach dropped when I felt like he had it in his glove. And then um, obviously really fired up when I saw it, uh, the reaction of the bullpen, which was what led me to know that he didn't have it. So um, a whirlwind of emotions, um, but certainly glad that he didn't come down with it. Given the story of your season with a lot of hard luck that you've hit into, what does it mean to have it go the other way this time? Well, it feels good. It feels like I was due for catching a break. and. Um, you know, it was good timing, um, you know, to catch the break there in a situation where it helped us win a game today. So, um, you know, I'll take as many breaks as I can get going forward. So obviously a big moment for Matt Carpenter and cool again to see that it's one recognized by the fans, uh, his teammates. And that was kind of what I wanted to ask Mike Schilt about, because Listen, I think across the league, if you look at other fan bases and you you read too much into all that kind of stuff of what people think, the perception of the Cardinals from nationally, I think there's a little bit of, oh, okay, you're going to do a curtain call for every time somebody does something good, like that waters it down, et cetera, et cetera. I think, though, when it comes from Cardinals fans and you're there to see it, that it's really it really is a genuine thing that 
Cardinals fans, you know, while they're going to be upset with the guy when it's not going well, as you'll hear in this Mike Schilt quote that I'm about to play for you, you know, recognize that when you have stretches like this, it's not just going to be blind faith and appreciation for a guy. You know, fans are going to get frustrated. Players are going to get frustrated too. Like it's not, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so I think there's some understanding of that, but there's also the understanding that Cardinals fans, when they see something special or when they see something notable, they want to express their appreciation for it. And that's what the Cardinals fans did again in this situation. I said, Matt Carpenter, he's two for two now in curtain calls per home run. He's gotten one both times that he's homered. Happened again today. The fans were going bonkers. And look, it was a big hit. Like, yes, it happened in exciting fashion because it almost got caught. But it turns it from a one nothing game where you hadn't been able to touch the starting pitcher, get a run off of him in 15 innings to this point. And now, or 14 innings, I should say. And now you've done it and taken a, a two-run lead. So big moment in the game, big moment in the series as the Cardinals were trying to avoid dropping it. They end up splitting with Philadelphia as a result. And so it was it was definitely a relevant time. And look, Cardinals fans are, uh, what can I say? They're generous with their curtain calls. And it was an exciting moment. And people enjoyed having fun at the ballpark again. So they said, ah, what the heck? Get on out here. We're going we're gonna to show you that appreciation. But I wanted to ask Mike Schilt about the meaning behind that. So I'm going to play this clip for you where you'll hear my question at the beginning and the response by the Cardinals manager. Matt maintained his perfect curtain call to home run ratio this year. What does it say about the person that he is, teammate that he is, that the fans, and you could see in the, the bullpen as well, the guys going nuts down there. What does that say about Matt Carpenter, that this kind of reaction, despite the tough season that he's had, is still the one you see today? I think you you um, get a glimpse of the quality of fans that we have, um, you know, in the sense that they, they're smart, knowledgeable baseball fans, and they also, um, you know, this is a this is a hardworking, you know, high value character part of the world. Um, and uh, I think they've recognized that this guy's done a lot of good things. His organization has given all the effort that he wants to give, has not been rewarded. And I and I appreciate the fact they've been uh, supportive, not blindly, because I mean we we don't deserve blind support, um, but appropriate support and um, excitement, not only for the moment, but for Matt. And that's what's wonderful about our fans. We get to share experiences with them. So that's Cardinals manager, Mike Schill, again, expressing the appreciation for Cardinals fans. I think Cardinals fans like hearing that. I mean, there's the whole best fans in baseball mantra that I think gets kicked around. And a lot of times in social media circles, certainly mocked, but listen, there's no question about it that when, and especially when things are going good, right? You know, Cardinals fans are passionate, and so when things aren't going well, I, I see it. You guys are all aware of it. Uh, you know, it can be a, it can be a tough group, right? But when things are going well, I don't think there's any fan base in the country that is going to get behind their guys as fervently and as passionately as Cardinals fans will and have done. So just a little bit of interesting stuff there that I wanted to pass along to you guys. And then one more clip before... I promise we will uh, close on the transactions the Cardinals made today. But I wanted to play this because it was after a question asked by Zach Silver of MLB.com to Matt Carpenter. And it kind of segues into our transaction news anyway because of a fleeting mention of Adam Wainwright. But Matt Carpenter discussing kind of the weight. You know, it, it, it's a good clip that will contextualize, I think, 
the weight that Matt Carpenter's been carrying around and how moments like this allow that weight to feel lifted, if only for a moment. Yeah, you know, uh, Adam Wainwright texted me um, from home and said that if he would have caught that ball, he would have retired. And I told him, no, I'm pretty sure I would have retired if he would have caught that ball. And, uh, you know, just, you know, everybody's hanging on it, hanging on every swing with me. I mean, it's been, it's been a frustrating go, you know, some of the luck is, um, obviously not been favorable for me, but, um, you know, that's part of the game. You know, if you play this game long enough, you're going to go through stretches like this and, um, you know, it makes the days like today that much more enjoyable when, when it does, when it does go your way. So, um, you know, really, really happy that I was able to contribute, help us win a game today. And obviously thrilled that we were able to pull it off. That was Matt Carpenter of your St. Louis Cardinals kind of wrapping up our audio listening pleasure for the day with the clips from the afternoon's post game. But before we get out of here, let's go into it. I've teased it enough. The transactions the Cardinals made Thursday night ahead of the series this weekend at Pittsburgh. Remember, this is 17 games in 17 days. And these three upcoming in Pittsburgh against the Pirates are the only three that will be played outside of Bush Stadium in that stretch. The Cardinals called up Seth Elledge, sent down Johan Oviedo. That happened earlier in the day after Oviedo's start yesterday. And so you get into a situation where probably not going to see him until maybe the end of this stretch of games because you've got the 10 days unless there's an injury designation that he ends up getting called back up for. But it seems like the Cardinals maybe, and they haven't announced this officially, they're obviously going to have to tinker with the rotation, uh, especially given the Adam Wainwright situation, which we'll get into in a minute. You, you heard Matt Carpenter talk about the text from Adam Wainwright that he received from home. And that was kind of weird because it's like, why was Adam Wainwright at home? I know that last year, starting pitchers on the days they didn't pitch were, you know, with the COVID protocols, they, they weren't in the dugout trying to limit the space and keep guys distanced, etc. But thought it would be a different situation this year, especially now with the Cardinals having reached the 85% vaccination threshold to be able to lift some of those restrictions. But as it turns out, we find out later on that Wainwright has been placed on the COVID-related injured list by the Cardinals. There have been several reports tonight that indicate it's not necessarily a COVID situation with Wainwright, but somebody in his family has tested positive, and so... Uh, report Katie Wu. I saw Frank Cusimano tweeted something out as well. Kind of the concept being it's just a precautionary measure and it's possible that Wainwright ends up being able to make a start on Monday, return that early for the Cardinals. He would have been probably the scheduled starter for one of those weekend games, but he's not going to travel with the team to Pittsburgh. That kind of allows him to you know, isolate. I'm sure he'll probably be doing COVID testing. They're still doing the, the testing this season. I don't know if it's quite as often as it was. I think every other day is is what it might be, and that may have even been lifted or, or lessened now that the Cardinals are one of the teams that have reached that threshold with 85%. So I don't know exactly what the status is on that, but if everything checks out, it's possible Wainwright could feasibly return Monday. We haven't gotten a chance to talk to Mike Schilt yet, obviously, Tomorrow in the pregame, I'm sure that will be a topic of conversation related to Adam Wainwright, who's now on the COVID IL. As a corresponding move, well, the Cardinals made a couple of moves, so let's try to track this all in in time here. Harrison Bader is back. He's going to be with the team traveling to Pittsburgh, probably in the starting lineup as early as Friday. 
excited because I've got some cool Harrison Bader baseball cards that I have not been able to break out yet this season. I'm doing the lineups over at Twitter at bshafer12. If you haven't seen it yet, would love for you to go over there. And please give it a like whenever you see the lineup card picture if you enjoy that kind of thing. If you don't like it, don't like it. I, that, I'm not going to beg. But if it's something you enjoy, I like to know that people are paying attention and they're they're getting a kick out of that. So it's been nice to see some of the nice comments too because, I don't know, I just thought it was a creative way to try to spice up the lineup game because you've got a lot of people nowadays uh, on the Cardinals beat that are punching out the lineup just as soon as it gets up. And so uh, I wanted to kind of make it a little bit different for the season. I've had a lot of fun doing it, but I pulled the Harrison Bader card out of a pack that I think is going to be pretty cool. I don't know if I'll break it out for the first game or maybe, you know, save it for, for a later game in the weekend. I'll be pretty excited to use it, though, so it'll be soon when I uh, pull out the Harrison Bader card. But anyway, he returns, and I think it's going to be interesting with him in center field now. Presumably, you'll have Dylan move back over to right field, and Tyler O'Neill's been heating up a little bit offensively, and so I would imagine you end up seeing him as the regular left fielder. Justin Williams, kind of the odd man out at this point, and Matt Carpenter may not have quite the way into the lineup that I thought he would. I wrote this afternoon about Carpenter's home run, and then the news drops about Bader being activated, which I said on the podcast in recent days, I'd be surprised if it didn't happen within the next week. I didn't know if it would be on this road trip. I was thinking maybe to start off the next homestand, but if if they're saying he's 100% and ready to go, there's really not a whole lot of reason to continue waiting. And so the Cardinals aren't going to wait. They're going to bring him along to Pittsburgh, and he'll be in the lineup, I would imagine, tomorrow. So that was one of the moves that was made, if you think about it in terms of Bader on, Wainwright off. The other one would be Cody Whitley comes onto the roster, replacing in the bullpen Andrew Miller with the toe blister that I had mentioned. Again, Miller has not been throwing the ball as well as he had been in, in previous seasons. I don't know if it's something that he's, he just doesn't quite have the physical skills, the tools or if it's a, a deal where he's been battling some injuries that have been not very kind to him and, and causing him to have some issues. Media got to talk to Andrew Miller within the last couple of days. Might might have even been this morning. My memory's a little bit foggy, but was talking about, you know, no longer being kind of that guy that is expected to come into the leverage situations. And ha- he was asked about having to adapt to kind of the different role. And he basically recognized he hasn't been throwing it as well, but you know, still believes and has the confidence in himself to be able to fill those roles in, in high leverage situations and ideally would be able to get back to that form. It's not going to happen now, though, for at least the next 10 days. Like I said a little bit earlier, if it's just a reset for him, get the blister situation taken care of and hopefully come back rested and strong, it can be useful for the Cardinals bullpen because you think about it from this perspective, the lefties that were really so strong down the stretch last year, it hasn't been the bright spot coming into 2021 that we thought it might be with Andrew Miller struggling. Tyler Webb has his ERA up above eight and Hennessy Cabrera, the other lefty obviously had the issue with Harper yesterday. And so that's going to be a thing that's interesting too. When does he get back into a game and what is the situation that Mike Schilt puts him into? You don't want to make too much of it. You know, you don't want to make more of it than it is to where the guy then starts thinking about it. And it's a situation where, you know, if it's on the brain, it can affect the pitching and it kind of becomes a vicious cycle. But you also don't want to act like it's not a thing at all and just throw him back into the most pressure-packed situation that you can envision in a game and just assume he's going to be fine. That might not be the case either. So I'll be watching to see how Mike Schill handles that. 
when he gets uh, Genesis Cabrera into the next game that he pitches, presumably this weekend. I would think three-game series against the Pirates, there will be opportunities for him to get back in there, and uh, hopefully within the next couple of days, because I also don't think you want to sit on that for too long. I thought one day off, maybe two, get his head in the right place, and then say, hey, man, it's we're going back to you, and we're going to be ready for you. I know people like John Heyman thought maybe Genesis uh, Cabrera should be sent to the minors, which the minors aren't even happening right now, so... You might have saw my exchange with uh, Heyman earlier today. I, I didn't understand where he was coming from, but hey, you're not always going to understand the perspective of everybody you interact with on Twitter. But that's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. We've covered the game, we've covered the moves, and we'll be ready to rock and roll as the Cardinals take on the Pittsburgh Pirates over the weekend. Looking forward to more discussion of Cardinals baseball as the team has now just gotten themselves back above the 500 mark at 12-11 and 11 on the still pretty young season as we are closing up the month of April. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to the show. Please go ahead and subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do that at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the rest of the wonderful places that you get your audio listening podcasts. Appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily.